You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. The USA Today coaches poll is out. We'll tell you how many SEC teams are ranked high and give you some tidbits around the conference. Also, we'll catch up with both Cole Kublick and Greg McElroy as we look ahead to the SEC football season and get their thoughts on how they think things will shake out. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You get the latest episode of this show as soon as it comes out each and every day. And a quick reminder, catch some of our other great uh, SEC podcasts wherever you find your podcasts. Locked on, just search your favorite school. you find Locked on Gators, Locked on Bama, Locked on Bulldogs, all of them right there wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch. Around the conference. The USA Today coaches preseason poll was released yesterday. Six SEC teams made their rankings. Ole Miss coming in at the bottom at number 25. And you have to go all the way up to number 13 where you next find LSU. Florida comes in at number 11. And in the top 10, Texas A&M ranked preseason number 6. Georgia at number 5. And Alabama is the preseason number 1 team, according to the coaches poll. Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, they join Bama and Georgia to round out the top 5. Auburn and Kentucky, they were in the others receiving votes grouping. Alabama received 63 first-place votes, while Oklahoma got 2. So... A lot of folks just expecting another Bama repeat this year. We'll see if it happens. It's some SEC football news over at Auburn. Brian Harson's defensive line took a hit as Harson revealed yesterday that super senior Tyrone Truesdale is no longer on the team. Truesdale was a starter the past two seasons for Auburn. Still listed on Auburn's official roster, handed out to the media on Tuesday. He was expected to be an anchor on that D-line at 6'2", 335 pounds. He appeared in 44 games, made 19 starts with three sacks. We'll wait to find out why he is no longer on the team at Auburn. But for the Tigers, it's a little bit of a loss when you consider sophomore defensive tackle Jeremiah Wright tore his ACL during spring ball. Marquise Banks, Tony Fair, and Dre Butler will be guys they'll look to fill in the middle of that D-line. Over at Mississippi State, they continue to work through their quarterback competition. And while Jack Abraham was a guy a lot of people thought would be pushing Will Rogers, another name has emerged in South Alabama transfer Chance Lovertich. Lovertich played at times last year for South Alabama, threw for over 600 yards and five touchdowns. Mike Leach hoping to name a starter sometime soon. And Lovertich has a real shot to beat out Will Rogers. Jack Abraham not been practicing as of late due to an apparent injury. Over Georgia, more details have emerged on special teams coach Scott Cochran and his temporary absence from the program as he deals with what Kirby Smart called health issues pertaining to, pertaining to his mental health and well-being. Chip Towers reporting that Cochran has been away from the Georgia team since mid-July. Will Muschamp was elevated from senior analyst to an on-field role to help out in Cochran's absence. There's still a possibility Cochran could be back with the team by their opener on September 4th against Clemson in Charlotte. Also, Georgia Bulldogs defensive coordinator Dan Lanning talked about his two defensive back transfers and Darian Kendrick from Clemson and Ty Key Smith from uh, West Virginia. Lanning said they're both really instinctual players, very polished. Certainly excited about those two guys. 
Over at Alabama, leading linebacker Will Anderson talked with reporters about their new addition in the offseason and former Tennessee linebacker Henry Toa Toa. Anderson told reporters that he's been very good, communicates a lot, knows the defense well, and is a great leader for the Tide. Meanwhile, Christian Harris added that Toa Toa has done a really good job and is pushing everybody. He played 23 games for the Vols, leading them with 76 tackles, which was tied for fourth in the SEC. Over at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin talked about his quarterback slash wide receiver, John Rice Plumley, and said that the focus is on John playing mostly just receiver. Kiffin said there's been he's been there basically full-time for now while they're in camp. He said, we'll see how we can develop him there. Plumley started at receiver in the bowl game against Indiana, catching five passes for 73 yards. Also at Ole Miss, quarterback Matt Corral talked yesterday about the strides he's seen the Ole Miss defense make this offseason. Corral told reporters the defense feels the disrespect that they've gotten nationally from fans and the media, but said they are a totally different team from last year, saying they're more aggressive and have good leadership now. Over at LSU, former Georgia DB, now LSU defensive back Major Burns looked good so far at practice, according to reports. Burns made a one-handed interception at LSU's practice yesterday, and the video was making its rounds on social media. Burns figures to spend a lot of time playing the safety spot this year for LSU. Over at Tennessee, Athletic Director Danny White talking with the Rotary Club of Knoxville yesterday and said that the NCAA has been there all along the way with their ongoing investigation into program misconduct. White said it may feel like it's going slow because it's been six or seven months since they started, but he said other cases around the country sometimes last three or four years. Tennessee is hoping to avoid a multi-year investigation by including the NCAA all along with their findings. Also with Tennessee, Kirk Herbstreit joined Eric Ainge's radio show yesterday for an interview and said he really is a believer in Josh Heupel in Knoxville. Herbstreit said he thinks Heupel will bring in the ability to put up a lot of points on the board with his offensive style. Just needs to find the right quarterback. We'll see. At South Carolina, running back Marshawn Lloyd turning some heads as he's been making some cuts off that leg he tore his ACL on a year ago. Corner reports looks to be accelerating quickly, showing some good signs for a guy that likely going to share that backfield with last year's SEC leading rusher Kevin Harris to make a dynamic duo. Over Florida, tight ends coach Tim Brewster was asked about Eric Gilbert's brief commitment to Florida before ultimately ending up at Georgia. Brewster told reporters this week, we never had him, so who knows? I never like to comment on a player that's not mine. Also, Florida Athletic Director Scott Strickland appeared on the Paul Feinbaum show this week and said he is all for college football expansion, saying the postseason is not as meaningful as it should be. Florida has yet to make the college football playoff. Over at Missouri, after Tuesday's practice, a couple of freshmen earned their jersey numbers, a tradition there in fall camp. It sounds like defensive tackle Makai Wingo and walk-on wide receiver Logan Muckey got their numbers. Wingo will wear number 58, while Muckey got number 46. Wingo is a three-star defensive lineman, while Muckey was a walk-on. Over at Kentucky, former four-star recruit Michael Drennan started his career at wide receiver. He has now shifted to running back. Drennan was considered an all-purpose back as a recruit. We'll see if he can uh, see any action this year at running back for the Wildcats. And our buddy Cole Kublik 
will join the show next. He released his top five SEC offensive breakout players. He's got Georgia running back Kendall Milton at the top of his list. Question there is, can he get enough touches in a loaded backfield with Zamir White and James Cook? But he has Kendall Milton at number one. He's got Missouri wide receiver Mookie Cooper at number two. LSU tight end Cole Taylor at number three. And South Carolina Gamecocks wide receiver E.J. Jenkins at four. And Auburn wide receiver Javarius Johnson at number five. There you have it. That is around the conference. When we return, our conversation with the great Cole Kublick. And a little bit later, Greg McElroy. Bet online still the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all of your sports action. I've t- been telling you guys all week, we know football season is coming up. It is right around the corner. You don't want to be left in the dark. You want to make sure you are in and ready to go when those first games snap. And you want to have maybe a little vested interest in what's happening on the action. Look, there's going to be some great games from Clemson to Georgia to LSU, UCLA, Bama, and Miami. Why not go a little extra step, have a little skin in the game? over at Bet Online. If you head over to their website right now, you can do so on your mobile device, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you've never bet with them before, get in now, use their 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You use that as you sign up, put in your first deposit, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus when you do so. Before the next game, head over to Bet Online right now. Check all their out all their great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest info, and get in for the start of another college football season. They are Bet Online. They are your online sportsbook experts. Rolling along here, Locked On SEC. And always a pleasure to catch up with Cole Kublik, college football analyst for ESPN and the SEC Network. You're a big trenches guy. You played in the trenches. From what you've seen in all your years covering college football, has the team ever been successful or won a national championship not being dominant on both sides in the trenches? I've seen a team win a title not dominant on both sides, but... Uh, not dominant on either side. I have not seen a team win a national championship. Clemson was not dominant on their offensive line when they won a national title. Um, Clemson has not been dominant on offensive line under Dabo Sweeney. Um, I had Clemson fans in my mentions tell me Mitch Hyde's the best tackle that's ever played football and he's going to be number one overall pick, and Mitch Hyde didn't get drafted. So they've, they've had a Carmen Jackson here and there. They've had some guys that have done some good things, but that's not how they win on offense. Now, defensively, yes, Cleveland Farrell, uh, Christian Wilkins, right. different guys like that. They have had big bodies inside that have been problematic and big, big-time playmakers have been dominant on that side of the ball. But offensively, no, they've, they've, they've never been that, in my opinion, under Dabo Sweeney. So I have seen teams not be dominant on one side, but I don't think I've seen a team win a national championship and not be dominant on either line of scrimmage. Thoughts on Texas A&M up front? They seem to be pretty loaded on both sides. Yeah, and it's interesting because I'm going to shoot out my offensive line rankings here in a little bit, and I think people will be surprised where A&M is in that in the SEC because I actually think pretty highly of that group. I think Kenyon Green is the best offensive lineman returning in the Southeastern Conference. I think he's a top-five lineman returning in college football, so guard, tackle, wherever, he's going to be dominant. Layden Robinson's going to be at the opposite guard. He came in against South Carolina last year, was utterly dominant. I, I even texted Jimbo. I was like, how the hell are you going to keep this kid out? <laughs> I know you got other guys that are playing, and he's a little banged up, but, like, this kid's got to play. Yeah. And Jimbo's like, trust me, I know what this kid is. Like, he's going to be special. Well, now you got a Matthews at center, which 
If you oh, want, if you want to doubt a Matthews who's playing football, <laughs> you can do that. I will never do that. And then Jameer Johnson comes in from Tennessee, a guy that's played legitimate SEC football. He'll start at right tackle. So all of a sudden, what everyone views as a big problem is not really a problem at all. Yeah. So all you have to do is orchestrate it a little bit, morph it, find a way for them to communicate, gel, find that continuity. And I think they've had reps through the spring now, which we didn't have a year ago, that will help that group. And keep in mind, Cup's probably going to be available at tight end. Weidemeyer back at tight end. I think you're going to see a lot of two back from Jimbo. I think yep. you'll see some two tight ends from Jimbo. And that those things to even up the defense – which is what it's going to be intended to do, that will help that offensive line out as well. Yeah, and help the quarterback as well, take a little pressure off of him, make it a little bit easier. Um, if it doesn't go chalk this year in the SEC, everybody's penciling in Bama. What other teams can you see playing in Atlanta this year? Uh, playing in Atlanta, uh, there's a long shot LSU. I took LSU second in the West. Um, I wouldn't rule. I thought you were going to say I took LSU in Vegas. Like, I thought you <laughs> – It wouldn't be terrible, Get a little actually, money. Put, put a little money on them. Um, I, I would not rule A&M out of making it to Atlanta. Now, the quarterback hat play would have to go from unknown to, like, legit A quarterback play. Right. Uh, I just – I think that they would need that that much to be able to get through a couple of games that they have on their schedule. I love A&M's schedule. I love the way that they sort of – they're going to be able to really just – I don't want to say coast because that makes it sound like they don't have to play, but they're going to be able to glide into that Alabama game, in yeah. my opinion. And that means build momentum, you know, find ways to be better. And if you make a few mistakes along the way, you should still be okay. Um, you know, I, I, I think those two teams, possible. I wouldn't pick them, possible. In the East, not really to win it, no. I think Georgia's just too damn good. Yeah. And look at the schedule. I mean, after Clemson, it just it gets really light now. I took Kentucky to finish second in the East, as you can imagine. I have not looked at Twitter in the last 35 hours because of that. Um, it's just way too much to even get into. Yeah. So I just decided I'm going to take a few days off, and or at least not look at the mentions. And I here's the difference between Kentucky and Florida for me. Kentucky doesn't play Alabama. Yeah. And Florida plays Alabama early. And then they play two tough road games the next four after they play Alabama. You still got to play Georgia. You still got to play LSU. So, and, and you start off with two in-state teams in your non-conference. Now, I don't think FAU or South Florida beat Florida, but you're probably going to get a little more from those teams than you would if you're playing Citadel or Chattanooga. Right. So I think it's a little complicated early. I've seen it. I've seen it a bunch of times, Chris, where a team plays Bama early, and all of a sudden that just rattles your ball club for the next six, seven weeks. You become a different team. And there's a lot of question marks on what Florida really is right now. I know Kentucky will be physical. I know they'll be able to run the ball. They have options at quarterback. And now, due to the transfer rule, they've taken a couple power five receivers and plugged them in who I think can help them stretch the field. And the entire front seven pretty much is back outside Jamin Davis. And I think those guys are heavy-handed, physical. They're going to be problematic. So there's not a ton of great offensive lines in the East. And I think that gives the Kentucky front seven big advantages talking with Cole Kublik, who of course works a million different jobs. The man never stops working, never takes a break. Uh, you've been on Jocks FM Radio in Birmingham for several years. You made the jump to mornings with uh, Greg McElroy being broadcast partners with someone. Kind of opens your eyes to things. Doing the show with him so far, have you picked up of any quirks or bad habits of his? Uh, other than he thinks he knows everything there is to know about football. <laughs> that would be the only one. Um, but, I mean, we're sitting down here day one, and you know, we're doing a radio show on Jocks for Cumulus. And one of the ESPN runners brings him a coffee like five minutes into the show. And I'm talking, hold on, that, 
We're not that far apart in the world of ESPN. Like, right. why do you get this treatment and I don't? I don't understand. But that's, <laughs> I mean, that's Greg McElroy. You, you got to know what you're getting. It's a quarterback. It's, they have different rules. Yeah. The offensive line, man, we grind it out. We get our own coffee, Absolutely. right? Yes. No, actually, she's gotten it from me the rest of the week, so I can't <laughs> say anything. Cole Kublik, always good to catch up, man. Thanks so much Thanks, for the time. Chris. Good stuff. All right, we'll be back right after this. Built Bar, still the best tasting protein bar out there. We tell you guys about it all of the time. Nine delicious flavors. From salted caramel, double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry. You'll be eating these things and saying, wait, this is actually good for me. They are packed with anywhere from 17 to 18 grams of protein in there. Only 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs. You're going to be tasting these and going, how can this be so delicious yet good for me with all the protein packed in there there's something for everybody if you don't know what your favorite flavor is yet you have to try them all you get a mixed box at builtbar.com you'll get two of each of their nine flavors that's the best way to go find which one is your favorite and then after your workout or after your afternoon walk or after just looking for a mid-afternoon snack whatever it is Built Bar is the way to go. Just head to BuiltBar.com. Use their promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Continuing on here on Locked On SEC. Pleasure now to be joined by, we just talked with Cole Kublik of uh, SCC Network and ESPN, another guy who has been an analyst for ESPN and, and all the different networks over some time, and now a broadcast partner of Cole Kublik. I know you're all doing a radio show together in the mornings. I just asked him, I said, you know, when you do a show with somebody, especially a morning show, you get to learn the other person's quirks and bad habits. And I said, does Greg have any yet? He said, no, the only thing, only quirk he has is that he thinks he knows everything. Well, I don't know about that. I, I feel like I have an answer for everything. I don't know if I necessarily <laughs> know everything, but I can find an answer, I suppose. You're a Texas guy. grew up in the South Lake Carroll. And it's, I know I've asked you this before, but you went to Alabama. How did you, how did you get away from all the Texas schools? You know, it's funny. It's kind of a weird time in Texas. At that point, A&M was still in the Big 12. Texas Tech was throwing it all over the yard. Texas was the team I really grew up rooting for. So it, it was kind of a strange time in Texas. Um, I was kind of looking around at that point, and I really enjoyed the Big 12. I grew up in the Big 12 footprint, so that was probably the league that I followed the closest. Uh, the other thing, I've, I'm originally from Los Angeles. Yeah. So I, I did have kind of an affinity for the Pac-12 at that point, Pac-10 at that point, if we're going to dive a little bit deeper, Pac-10. Uh, and I wanted to look at the schools like Stanford and SC and some other schools as well. So then the SEC kind of came along, took a visit to LSU, kind of fell in love with the fanfare at LSU. It was an unofficial and thought to myself, like, man, the SEC is pretty dang neat. <laughs> and, and it's just different. So I kind of started to gravitate in that direction a little bit because of their passion for college football. And if you know Dallas and you know Texas, right. there's nothing bigger than high school football in the state of Texas. Right. I just got done playing Plano in front of 45,000 people filled up <laughs> Texas Stadium. And I'm not going to go somewhere, and I just couldn't see myself playing somewhere and being fulfilled playing somewhere where they didn't care about football. So I wanted to kind of find myself in a place where football was of the utmost importance, and Alabama clearly checked that box, and uh, the rest is history. It's been an incredible move, and it's one that I haven't regretted for one second in the last 15 years since I made it. Speaking of the state, um, Steve Sarkeesian, a guy you've gotten to cover and, and obviously has been very successful at Alabama. He's back in the head coaching spot 
in Texas, in Austin. Do you think he's the right man for the job? Do you think that's the right job for him at this time? I think so. Here's here's my idea of that entire process of him getting hired there. I was surprised by it, not because he wouldn't be an excellent candidate. It just felt like it was out of left field. You know, I know yeah. Sark for a long time. I was like, I've, how did you not tell me about this? Like we're sitting on the plane next to each other coming back from Christmas, or I don't recall exactly where I was, but we were literally sitting two rows apart, and he didn't tell me anything about Texas. <laughs> Next thing you know, a week later, word gets out, he's going to be the Texas Longhorn head coach. Probably should have thought about it, though, because it was a flight from Dallas. Uh, but <laughs> it was one of those situations where Sark is probably one of the best pure play callers in the game right now, uh, creating matchups, creating problems. The others that would be on that list would be Lane Kiffin, who was previously with Sark at SC and at Alabama, and then Lincoln Riley. Right. And Lincoln Riley, in order to match Lincoln Riley's wits, you need to have a guy that can flat out get it done, call in plays, play in, play out. So uh, I thought it was a really smart hire from Texas, and I love the staff he's assembled. I mean, I think the staff is fantastic. Pete Kwiatkowski, you ask anybody associated with the Alabama program, including Sark, would tell you that defense and their scheme gave us as many fits as anybody when they played them in the college football playoff a few years ago back in 2016. Right. And then, fast forward just a little bit more, you go and you get the best recruiter in the state of Texas to become your special teams coordinator and assistant head coach. You go get Kyle Flood, former head coach. It's one of the best offensive line coaches in the game. And you assemble a staff that has great roots and understanding of what Texas requires to be able to recruit at a high level. If there's one thing we know. You know Texas high school football coaches are a fraternity, man. Yes. I mean, that is a close-knit crew, and I love them for it. Well, but you got to have some guys that can get in there, and he does have a few of those guys. Quick thought on A&M and Jimbo. They're knocking on the door 9-1 and one last year. Just got left out of the college football playoff. But high expectations this year. If they can figure out the quarterback spot, man, they're loaded at – so many other positions. I think they're going to be really good. I, I think they're the second best team in the SEC West. Uh, I called their spring game this year and spent some time, obviously, around the program. I do it every spring. They're one of my favorite programs to cover. And if Herb Street takes Bama, I try to get AM, which <laughs> he does just about every year. So I try to get AM or Georgia, just depending on the year. And I look at, at what they bring back on the defensive side. You know, they're going to be solid there. They were statistically. I believe the best in the SEC last year. I don't look too hard at the stats, but I believe they were the best in the SEC. And then you have excellent offensive line talent. Granted, inexperienced talent. Offensive line talent that's replacing the pieces off of last year's incredibly good offensive line. Now, with all due respect to last year's offensive line, they lost four starters. One was drafted. And that one was drafted in the fourth round. So it's not like they lost Anthony Munoz and company right. along the front. I think those guys are, in fact, replaceable. Now, will they have the cohesiveness? Will they have the continuity? Will they have the chemistry? That's to be determined. But they will have an awful lot of talent, an awful lot of upside compared to what they had last year and in the years previous. So I'm very bullish on a and I think they're the most dangerous team on Alabama's schedule. I still think Alabama is the team to beat. But I think the toughest game for Alabama is on the road in College Station on October 9th. Speaking of dangerous teams on Bama's schedule, they do open neutral field against Miami, Derek King. Um, Derek King was really good last year. He's coming back for another year. We've seen when Nick Saban and Alabama have been beaten, it hasn't happened a whole lot, but typically, maybe outside of the Joe Burrow year, it's quarterbacks that have that running ability. Yeah. It, that's when his defenses have problems. 
That's when every defense has problems, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. But how much of a problem will De'Ara King be week one for this Bama defense? couple questions. How healthy is he? Of course, towards ACL, unfortunately, it's just heartbreaking to see him tear his ACL in the bowl game. Happen to think he's way ahead of schedule. Everyone he talked to, he's going to be fine. Missed spring, but he'll be fine. Played a lot of football, not worried about him being ready to go. The other thing that I'd like to see from Manny Diaz is how much tempo are they going to use? Are they going to go hyperspeed? Because if they go hyperspeed week one, that's difficult to prepare for. It's difficult to prepare for anytime. But when you're not in super football shape, like you are mid-year, Week one and teams trying to snap the ball every 15 seconds. That'll that'll take its toll on your defense. Yeah. Then the other thing is, has Miami been able or will they be able to affect a young quarterback? And Bryce Young is is going to be young, making his first career start, but he's insanely talented. He's also a run-around guy that can create on his own. He's also very accurate operating from within the pocket and has a really good supporting cast around him. So uh, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I mean, I see, you know, Vegas all the time, numbers. I mean, they're a three-touchdown favor whatnot. I don't see that. That's just a lot of points in week <laughs> one. I mean, goodness gracious, especially with what Miami brings back and the amount of time to prepare. But uh, Alabama, if they play their A game, they should win comfortably. Well, I just don't know if it'll be by 21. Last thing for you before we let you go, and we're talking with Greg McElroy. Uh, of course, uh, ABC, ESPN uh, analyst, and you do a great job, by the way. Thank you, buddy. Greg McElroy in college, if the NIL had been in effect, what deals would you have wanted? Oh, well, I'm from Texas, so <laughs> trying to think of what I frequented, at least at that point. I would have gone straight for – first of all, I would have won a car. Okay. All right, I would have won a Ford King Ranch F-150, 100%, <laughs> lock that in. I, now, now I, you know, we have a sponsorship on the, so I guess I should say a GMC on our on our radio show. I should say GMC, but if I'm going to be We're real honest. We're talking about 16, is, 17, 18-year-old yeah, Greg Macro. 18-year-old Greg Macro. Yeah. I had an F-150, but it was not a King Ranch. It was sweet, <laughs> but it was not a King Ranch. Well, it was it was sweet because it was my first car. Right. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't say it was actually it was a high-luxury mobile. It yeah. had about a million miles on it, but I loved it. Food place? Would you, who would you have signed with? Uh, probably Sonic. Okay. Would have been the go-to. Uh, I would have gone to Sonic probably the most at that point. Um, I still had to drive like 20 minutes. We had a Sonic right down the road for me in Dallas, so, or in Southlake. So I uh, love Sonic. That was definitely a go-to for me. Uh, I would have probably tried to get an Academy Sports and Outdoors. Okay. Um, for a, an abundance. Of, you can literally buy anything in Academy. <laughs> So Academy would have definitely been in the mix. Golf it, stuff. You would have been buying golf stuff. I right? didn't golf. You know, it's but funny. But you do now. I, I do now. Yeah, I didn't golf at that point. Football took up too much of my time, and we all thought back then, dumb enough, we thought <laughs> that golf would mess up my baseball swing, which was stupid. <laughs> like, thinking back on it, like, goodness gracious. But, uh, yeah, those would have been the three that I would have prioritized, probably knowing that that's where I spent most of my time. And at that point, DVDs were big. Yeah. So oh, I wouldn't yeah. have hated a Best Buy deal. <laughs> Or a Costco deal. At Blockbuster. That you could have Blockbuster. No, probably not Blockbuster. It was starting to phase out. Like, I was right there on the cutting edge with Netflix as they sent you DVDs yeah, in the mail. Yeah, exactly. So. Greg McElroy here for uh, Redbox. Go get your uh, DVDs. And, <laughs> right. There you, you know. go. For sure. Greg McElroy, always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for the awesome, time. man. Thanks a lot. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. My thanks to Cole Kublik and Greg McElroy. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be joined by former Florida Gator Ben Troop. He's got a new book coming out. We're going to talk a little bit uh, with him about some of the stories he'll have in there. I know some great Steve Spurrier tales will be in there, but we'll also talk some college football with him, get his thoughts on the Gators and Emory Jones, Georgia, Alabama, whole landscape of the SEC. We'll talk tomorrow with 
Ben Troop. You don't want to miss that. I'm Chris Gordy. You guys have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here for you five days a week talking all things SEC, particularly SEC football, as we get ever so closer to the college football season. And a quick reminder, betting on the SEC does not have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, Lee's lock of the day, follow Locked on Bets, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you guys tomorrow.